0: People ask, what was it like to be in that state of mind? And to be honest with you, you don't want to know. I'll say it like this. Go to your darkest moment, your worst hour. Think of that moment in your life that represents your greatest despair the valley of the shadow of death. That worst day for me, that would have been my best day. Now add the screaming voice of your accuser, shouting every lie. You've ever heard or believed about yourself, shouting every fear, each and every waking moment. It was like a wind howling, a wind unleashed within my body, the kind of wind that overturns fishing boats like the ones on the Sea of Galilee in the middle of the night cold and so loud that you have to shout to hear your own voice so loud that you beg for it to stop but no one else can even hear it you're willing to do anything to make it stop just so you can think so your mind so your body can finally for once just for a moment have a little rest For a lot of people, the Christmas story begins at the manger with their first glimpse of Jesus as a little baby. The first time I encountered Jesus, he terrified me. He wasn't a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in straw. He was a grown man with eyes that blazed like fire wrapped in the power of God. I actually screamed out his name. But even though it wasn't my voice, even though it was my voice, it wasn't me speaking. It's not something many people are comfortable to talk about, especially today. But the first time that I had an encounter with Jesus, he cast a demon out of me. And not just one. But many. It had been years, years not having a sound mind. I couldn't even remember my own name, couldn't think my own coherent thoughts. It was like I was trapped in my own body, buried in there somewhere and not myself, like I was a ghost inside of a shell. And even though those winds would rage, rage the storm would come and knock the trees and houses over, I was like a hurricane of anger in my community and all those around me. It causes me great shame to say it, but I was so dangerous that my family had to put me in chains. Can you think about that? Could you imagine that? Putting your own boy, your sweet little child you raised into shackles because he was so much of a danger to you. How many years did my own mother pray for me? Have to avoid me to be safe from me, even fear me. It's unbelievable to say it now, but the only place I could even find solace, the only place I could find sleep, was in a graveyard. I found my rest in the tombs. I lived for night after night. My only human companions were dead. And then Jesus arrived on our shores. At Genesis, he came after a night when there was a terrible storm that raged across the Sea of Galilee. It was that night he calmed the storm at the sea. And then that day, he calmed the storm within me. He commanded legion out of me. Jesus was completely unafraid of me. He saw me and he had mercy on me. For the first time in my life, I experienced the quiet that comes after a storm, the quiet that remained for the first time in my life. I felt whole. I felt safe. It was shalom. It was actual peace. My bo- my mind, my body, my soul, my spirit, my own, my own spirit. That was my first Christmas right there on those shores That was the advent of Jesus in my life. He came into my troubled world and saved me in the midst of all of it. He calmed my storm. I was naked, literally naked. And he wrapped me and he clothed me as you would a newborn baby. I was hungry, starving for a purpose and starving for peace. And Jesus fed me with the bread of life i was shrouded in fear and darkness could you can you imagine that darkness and then how sweet that glorious new light how purifying how holy it was so very real that in an instant everything changed how i longed to stay in that moment with him right at his feet forever You can read my story in the book of Luke, and you'll see that I begged. I literally begged Jesus to stay with him. But on my first Christmas, Jesus sent me home. He told me to go share my story, to tell about the good news, to share with everyone the good things Jesus had done for me. I love to tell this story at Christmas, because at Christmas we stop to remember the Advent of the Savior who came to the world to bring us peace. The world needs the transformative peace of God. My story is extreme, but like me, you may need peace. You may need the peace of Christ to rule in your body, to command calm in your inner world. The storm inside of you that rages, like me, you need the peace of Christ. To quiet your mind, restore your soul, and transform your circumstances. Jesus came into the world to calm raging storms and give you peace. Let the peace of co- God clothe you and cover you today.
1: Wow. Praise God, peace, the peace of God, the shalom of God is in this place this morning. As we were worshiping, I was looking around and I was watching God just settle on people and minister to people, amen, minister. Thank you, Lord. Just see different ones. I know that you might not be in a storm now, but I know storms that you've walked through. And God has brought you all the way through because he is the God of peace. Amen. He's the God of shalom. And he will bring you through. And if you are in the midst of a storm right now, God is walking with you. See Shelley over here, and she's walking through the deepest valley of her life, but God is walking with her, and we say thank God for that. Different ones just walking through storms. You don't know how you're going to make it. God is the God of peace. Amen. I want to take a moment before I preach, and I just want to pray right now. We might have two altar calls this morning, but Lord, we we just hear the power that's in that message of you setting the man free that was in the Gadarenes. We don't know his name. We don't know his past, how he came to be like he was. We can surmise it did not matter. He needed to be set free. And Lord, there's people here this morning that would say, well, it's my own fault. But the Spirit of the Lord would come this morning and say, it does not matter. I am here to set you free. I am here to help you. I am here to bring you all the way through. Lord, I'd ask that the rest of this morning that you would have your way in our hearts, that you would minister, that you would speak and power in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. This morning, um, if you did bring a gift this morning, we have a box in the back, and you can drop that in the box. Um, Your gifts is what helps us keep doing ministry and touch hearts and touch lives. And so we thank you for your faithfulness in that. As well, uh, tomorrow, uh, Ken is one of our members who went to be with the Lord last Wednesday. Um, In fact, when we were singing that song, we've only a moment to live this life, and then we're going to be in your presence. I was thinking of Ken in the very presence of God right now and us joining with him in praise. Hallelujah. And so we're going to celebrate his life uh, tomorrow. The funeral will be at... um, Bennett, right? Uh, funeral home. The visitation is from four to six. The funeral or the celebration service is at 6 p.m. And then, uh, anybody that wants to can come back here for finger food and, um, just, uh, cele- continue to celebrate Ken's life and encourage the family. Um, and we, and, and so that, that brings me to this. We need finger food. And so how many of you can bring some finger food, uh, by tomorrow? We need more than a couple of you. We need many of you. There's going to be about 120 people here tomorrow or, or more. Um, so if you can help with that, uh, please, um, in fact, if, if we could get a sign up sheet in the back, um, if we're, if we're prepared for that, if somebody could do that, Brian, can you make sure that that happens for me? Thank you so much. And so after the service, hopefully we'll remember to do that. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. A retired man purchased a home near a high school. That was not a good idea. He spent the first few weeks of his retirement in peace. And then the new school year began. And one afternoon, early into the first semester, three loud young boys came down his street, merrily beating on everything they came across. They then did so the following day and the day after that until finally the retiree decided he could not take it anymore and it was time to take some action. So the next afternoon, he walked out to meet the boys as they banged their way down the street. Stopping them, he said, you kids are a lot of fun. I used to do the same thing when I was your age. Will you do me a favor? I'll give you each a dollar if you'll promise to come around every morning and bang and do your thing. Okay, The boys were more than happy, and they continued to bang the bins every day on their walk home. They each got a dollar. And after a week, the old man walked out and greeted the kids again. And however, this time, he did not have a smile on his face. This recession, it's really putting a big dent in my income. I'm going to have to cut it down to 50 cents a day to keep you kids banging on the bins. (laughs) And the kids were obviously unimpressed, but they accepted the reduction in payment and continued their afternoon activities. And a few days later, the man approached them again and said, look, I have not received my retirement check And so I'm not gonna be able to give you more than 25 cents to bang on the bins. Will that be okay? That's it? The drum leader exclaimed. If you think we're gonna waste our time beating these bins for 25 cents a day, you're nuts. No way, mister, we quit. And the man enjoyed peace and serenity for the rest of his days. <laughs> ah, that wise, that wise man, right? My wife asked me the other day if she could have peace and quiet in the kitchen while she cooked dinner. So I took the batteries out of the smoke alarm. <laughs> that was not good, was it? <laughs> uh, when I when I pass away, I want to go peacefully like my grandfather in his sleep. Not like all those screaming passengers on the bus he drove. (laughs) I'm sorry. I got to stop. And everybody said amen. Amen. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Lord. The focus that we are uh, giving ourselves to this morning is peace. Last week, we discovered that our, our world really... And you, you think about the world that we live in, which we do. I think part of our message every Sunday is about what's going on in the world. And the epidemic of hopelessness is very real. The epidemic of hopelessness is very real. Do you know that... Um, and I, and i'm please i'm not bringing any condemnation i'm probably just as addicted as the next person but did you know that addiction to screens produces anxiety did you know that it's the truth and we have an epidemic of hopelessness and most to get to the subject that we're talking about this morning do not know what it's like to really know peace in their heart. Some are walking in peace. But we're going to talk about peace. And right up front, I want to give you some some truths about peace before I define what it is, before I get into the meat of my message. I want to talk uh, about some truths about peace. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. First of all, peace, God's peace, is peace attainable it is attainable it is not abstract and as bob was was uh giving us uh his example this morning uh his his dramatic presentation we need a drama team here amen this is good this is good stuff um as he was giving that i was thinking you know what needs to happen what needs to happen is that peace needs to become not just something that we talk about and explain, but something that each one of us is experiencing in our hearts and in our daily living. The peace of God, it is attainable. Psalm twenty nine eleven, The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. It is attainable. God is is so involved in your life and he wants to give you peace. Secondly, peace can be incremental. Peace can be incremental. You can have a measure of peace. Galatians 5, we see that peace is a fruit of the Spirit. It, it, it uh, then uh, follows that as you grow in the fruits of the Spirit, as you grow in your walk with Jesus, what should be growing in your heart? Peace, and so it's incremental. Um, in in Proverbs chapter three, and I'm going to read two verses. First, verse thirteen. I'm not going to read the whole list, but he he says this in verse thirteen. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom, and the one who gets understanding. Well, then following verse 13 is a whole list of things that happen when you get wisdom and when you get understanding. And when you skip down to verse 17, you see one of those things that it lists. It says, those that get wisdom and understanding uh, uh, find this, that her ways uh, are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. All. I find that astounding because I'm doing good to have some of my paths peace, right? Are you with me on that? Some of my paths are peace, but guess what? As I grow in wisdom and as I grow in understanding more and more and more of of, of the sections of my life, the paths of my life are coded in peace. Peace can be incremental, You can have peace about certain paths of your life and not have peace about other paths of your life. And that's where many of us find ourselves. But God wants to give his peace to every path of our life today. Hallelujah. Thirdly, peace is to be sought after. It is not something that just happens. Psalm 34, verse 14 says, Turn away from evil and do good. Seek after peace and pursue it. And so whatever peace is, whatever the the scriptures tell us peace is, I know this. I'm to run after it, and I'm to try to attain it. And if I don't run after it, and if I don't try to attain it, I'm going to miss the peace of God. And so you wonder why some are operating in peace and others are not? It might be that some are pursuing peace and others are not. Amen. Want to just pause on that a moment. Something not in my notes. God has called us to experience sabbath rest in God. But some of you never take a Sabbath day. Some of you never take a Sabbath day. have been very proud of my wife who's gone through incredible uh, busyness. She's getting her master's degree. She's leading a business. She's co-pastoring with me. She's the busiest person I know. And she was... Her, uh draining our grandson our grandson will come up to his mom and say my batteries are drained mom and then he'll follow that by telling her something that he wants <laughs> i need an ice cream cone my batteries are drained <laughs> but i could tell cammy's batteries were drained and you know what i said we we need a sabbath day and she has for the most part been very diligent even Um, about taking time every week. Um, Some some weeks she does better than others, but I've been proud of her because, uh, friends, we've got to have Sabbath rest. You have got to rest. Friday is my day off, although we spent it working on a car uh, this (laughs) this week. (laughs) Uh, But typically, I guard Friday's. And I, um, I don't get ready for Sunday. I don't do anything. That's my day. That's my day. Okay? Um, and so, um, peace is to be sought after. Right? I can't pause like that on every one of these. Okay. Um, fourthly, peace is relational. First um, Samuel 20 verse 42, then Jonathan said to David, go in peace, since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord saying, may the Lord be between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. So he rose and departed and Jonathan went into the city. Jonathan and David shared relational peace with each other. Amen? And that's the way God intends friendships to be. That's the way God intends sons and daughters in the kingdom to be, is for us to share peace together. But you can think of people in your own life, oh, this person I have peace with, and this person I do not have peace with. And you you can tell there's some people this morning, maybe after this message, that you will need to go and make peace with because you're not walking in peace with that person peace is very relational it is not unto yourself it is not just something god does in you that's private between you and god it overflows into your relationships the peace of god it's relational peace is an important greeting we don't say this enough. Uh, uh, Linda came to me this morning and says, peace be unto you. And the, the times that I've been in the Catholic Church, they stop and they say, share a sign of peace with one another. And everybody gets up and says, peace unto you, peace unto you, peace unto you. But peace was a greeting in the scriptures. Over and over and over and over again, when Paul opens up a letter of the Bible, he opens it up by saying, grace and Peace be unto you in the name of Jesus Christ. And so, in fact, let me just read Colossians chapter 1, verse 2. To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He was imparting something in his greeting, and you may or may not know this, but when people see you, you are imparting something to them. Your countenance on their face, on your face, speaks volumes. You are imparting peace in your greeting or the lack thereof. I want to be one that imparts peace. Um, and uh, two more in this setup in the beginning. One, peace Leads us if we will listen. Peace leads us if we will listen. Oftentimes we're not following peace, we're following personal desires. There is a big difference. And oftentimes our personal desires clash with our peace. And which one are we going to listen to? When we ignore peace, we're not led well. Isaiah 55 verse 12 says, You shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. You'll be led by peace. So, when you're making a decision, you've got to lean your ear in. And pay attention to the peace of God. You've got to oftentimes ignore your own desires and lean into where God is showing you peace oftentimes, sometimes God will speak and say, this is the way walk in it. I love that when I hear the voice of God and I just know this is the way I'm supposed to go, or it's, it's just very evident. This is God's will in my life, but sometimes that's not the way that God leads us. And sometimes we're like, God, I'm trying to hear from you, but I, I don't know what decision to make here. Listen to the direction of peace. Amen. Praise God. Finally, in this setup, um, to have peace with God means that you are walking in right relationship with him. When you are right with God, then the peace of God is, is on you. When people will say, I need to make peace with God, it means this. There's been some areas in my life that have not been Right? And I have to make them right. So peace with God is to walk in right relationship with him. When my peace is disturbed, I need to listen and say, God, where did I get off track? Did I get off track somewhere? Um, In the Old Testament... There were there were uh, there was mandatory offerings for sin that the Jewish people had to bring they were sacrifices that they had to bring annually and there's various different ones they were mandatory but then there were optional peace offerings they could bring an offering simply because they wanted peace with God and there's different different uh different descriptions of peace offerings. I believe that our worship this morning was an offering to the Lord. I feel, in fact, I'm preaching on peace, but I feel the peace of God in this room right now, the presence of the Lord. Okay. In the Bible, there's four words that are either Hebrew or Greek that are translated peace. The first one that's the least used is harass. H in English, in 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 our in our uh, spelling, uh, the way that we spell that word is H A R A S. Harass, and it means to hold your peace, usually in a tense situation. You will say, "Keep your peace." This is harass. This is the restraining thing inside of you that keeps you from doing something that you should not do. Holding your peace is a good thing, right? Holding your peace is, is an important thing in self-discipline, in, in a, being self-aware that if I, if I act out right now, I might do something or say something that I regret. Harass. You are holding your peace. It occurs 15 times in the Old Testament. It's the least used word for peace. The, the second word is the word uh, Salem, um, S-E-L-E-M. There's a city named after this. We spell that S-A-L-E-M, city of peace, Salem, Um where Melchizedek in the Old Testament, if you know that story, he was the king of Salem, the king of peace. And that's an important teaching that, that I could uh, give later. But uh, this, uh, this word is used every time there is a peace offering. And that's what it means a peace offering. Salem. The third Hebrew word, and the most popular one, and the one that I'm going to camp on this morning a little bit, is the word shalom. Shalom. Everybody say that together. Shalom. This is the most used Hebrew word in the Old Testament for peace. Um I believe it's used nearly 170 times in the Old Testament for uh, for peace. It is a total surrounding of the welfare of God. This is the kind of peace that when we when we greet each other with peace, uh, with, with the word peace, this is what we're pronouncing on people: a total surrounding of the welfare of God. How many of you want, want to be surrounded by the total welfare of God? Come on, come on! This is this is what uh, what we're what we're looking after. It is accompanied by health. It is accompanied by safety and a prosperous soul. It denotes favor, it denotes happiness, and it denotes rest. Shalom. It is a wonderful word that describes something tangible that God releases on people. Shalom. The Greek counterpart, which is the fourth word that's used in the New Testament because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and the New Testament was written in Greek. there's a little Aramaic that's thrown in there as well, but for the most part, it's Hebrew and Greek. And so in the New Testament, the word um, is I is E-I-R-E-N-E. I'm going to say Irene. Um, but i don 't know exactly how to pronounce that. I should have taken the time to look it up it 's the Greek word in the New Testament. it 's it's, uh, it's the counterpart of the Hebrew word Shalom. and it includes by implication, it includes prosperity and unity and quietness and rest. and it 's a good word. Praise God. And so, when the Bible talks about peace, it is one of these four he, uh, Hebrew and Greek words and meanings of the word peace. When when uh, Jesus said, "Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you," I don't give as the world gives. Um, uh, my my he, he he was inferring that nobody can take peace away from you. This is an incredible gift that he's giving to you. The gift of peace, it comes from him. Hallelujah. Let's talk about Jesus and peace for a moment. Jesus is called in Isaiah chapter 9, which Brianna read this morning. That was a powerful opening to our service. Jesus is called the prince of peace. Hallelujah. And the word says that of the increase of his government and of his peace, there shall be no end. Hallelujah. And so you remember that moment when you first gave your life to Christ and you felt you really what you were feeling is the peace of God come on your life. Maybe you've never sensed that or known that before, but you sensed the peace of God coming upon you. Well, I have good news for you. Because as you grow as a believer, and really, what is growing as a believer? You are allowing Jesus to govern more and more of your life. And as the government of Jesus increases in you, there's something else that increases in you. The peace of God, the shalom of God, the favor of God, the rest of God. All of these things that God desires for you to know. Hallelujah. The increase of peace, there will be no end. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and because he's the Prince of Peace, he can impart it to you. Glory to God. Glory to God. Jesus' birth announcement was accompanied with a proclamation, with an angelic proclamation of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Jesus came not just unto himself, but the angel was saying, the king has arrived. Peace is available. But, but, uh, but angels, don't you understand that we're just simple shepherds? Peace on earth. Well, don't you understand that we're under Roman rule? Peace on earth. Peace. And we can say, but, but God, don't you understand my financial situation? Peace on earth. Don't you understand, Lord, my health situation? Peace on earth from the Prince of Peace. Jesus became our peace offering. And he is the only way to experience peace with God. I have found myself, I I don't know how this happened, but I have found myself befriending a Hindu from India And uh, his name is Shemesh. And we have been communicating now off and on for about two years. And he's becoming my friend, although he does not trust me yet. (laughs) But he keeps coming back. The conversation will pause for a month. And then he'll come back again and talk more. And his life is filled with turmoil. He believes in karma. You've heard that phrase. you got to watch your karma. That comes from Hinduism. And if you do enough good things, then your next birth, and, and this is him explaining it to me, your next birth will be better than your current one. Because karma will help you in, in, in your reincarnation. and he's, ta- he's currently telling me about different gods in the, in the Hindu faith, but why does he keep coming back? Because he doesn't have any peace. What I'm finding out is that, that uh, he is scared to death. He's scared to death that he's not going to make the cut, and he lives in constant afraidness, he does not have any peace. There is only one way to peace with God. There is no salvation under any other name except for the one name by which we must all be saved, and that's the mighty name of Jesus. Jesus. Jesus set a demoniac in the gatherings free, and he can set us free as well. I'm believing for Shemesh one day to come to Christ, although he's not listening too, too, too much now. Although he did tell me if I would send him money that he would listen more. <laughs> I've, I've not done that. I've not done that, but I've... I've <laughs> I'm believing for God to touch this young man's heart. Jesus is the only way to peace. And after we receive peace, that we can't earn, we can't try hard enough, peace has to be received. Jesus, I I don't deserve it, but I receive it. The peace of God that after I receive it I have responsibility to walk in it I can walk in such a way as to cancel the peace of God I can walk in such a way as to move away from the shalom of God and then I'm not experiencing it anymore I have got to keep the peace that God gives to me by his own choice. And so there are some things that that I feel like God wants me to say this morning to help you to stay in the place of peace. I believe that God is going to transform some people this morning. You came in this morning, and you're going to leave with the shalom of God on your life in a way that you didn't have when you came in. I believe that God's got that for you this morning. And then he's going to teach you some things that you might need to do in order to stay in the place of peace. Um, the scripture that we read from Isaiah chapter 9 about the Prince of Peace um is powerful. His name shall be called uh, wonderful. Uh, in fact, uh I don't I don't have this verse in, in, in my notes. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. I want you to see something here that I believe in this teaching moment that is go- going to help you in your walk, um, in your walk with the Lord. Isaiah chapter 9. And the, the word that we already read was verse 6. Unto us a child is born, a son is given. A government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. We, but we don't want to stop there. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it. To order it and establish it with judgment and justice. I go back to my notes now. because the first thing that I believe that you can do to walk in peace is to bring order to your life. Bring order to your life. There are places of chaos in our lives uh, that, that when we stay in those places, peace leaves. When um, Cammie has been gone a few days, you know what happens to our house? I'm telling on myself right now. And I always keep track of when she's going to come home. It's like the second coming of Christ. We have to be ready. If we are not ready, judgment is coming. This is live online. My wife can listen to this later. But we, we, so I'll make the phone call. What is your estimated time of arrival? And I need to know, because about one hour before that estimated time of arrival, guess what's going to happen? The whirlwind is going to go through the house and it is going to get back in order. Because when our home is not in order... My wife, especially me, a little less, but me too. When our home is not in order, it does not feel very peaceful. Chaos steals peace. And so I want to encourage you, you may not be able to just pick every area of your life and straighten it all out all at once. I'm not asking you to do that. That would be overwhelming. But I am asking you to pick an area of your life and bring order to it. It will promote peace in your life. You'll walk in that area, and when you experience that area of your life, you'll go, ah, the peace of God. This is a biblical principle. One of the things that Jesus does as Prince of Peace to expand his government is to bring order to disorder. Order to disorder. And it's a principle. I, I have known a lot of people, they come down to the altar and they get right with God and, and, they, and, they, and, they, uh, and they feel God doing something in their life and they go home and they begin to clean. I've heard that testimony in my ministry over the years uh, many times. What is that? It's a natural response of bringing order to disorder. God is working in your life. It's a good thing. Is that good? Does that help you? I'm talking about some practical things to walk in peace, remove chaos from your life. The second thing is this, and I have to be careful here when I talk about this because I don't want to be uh, I don't want to be like the Facebook posts that just say... Get everybody out of your life that doesn't agree with you that's I, 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 I am not saying that I need people in my life that see me from a different perspective right That does not reflect the heart of god but let me let me uh, tread out a little bit and say this as number two if there are divisive people in your life, you need to steer clear of them. Let me read a scripture from Romans chapter 16. Now I urge you, brethren, now this is primarily in the church, I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. Wow. If you want to keep peace, you have got to steer clear from those that are not keeping peace. Steer clear. Note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. For for those who are such are not serving the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, their own selfishness. And by smooth words and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the simple. If you have a person like this in your life that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about, take caution. Bad company corrupts good character. Am I getting through? Thank you, Father. The grace... uh, um, That's all I'm going to say about that. Let me move on. Number three, if you want to keep peace in your life... Put both feet in your relationship with Jesus. Oh, that's a good one. Put both feet in. Well, what, what do you mean by that, both feet in? Well, this is what I mean. This is from Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be loyal to the one and he will despise the other. And then Jesus talks then about money. You cannot serve both God and mammon, money. You cannot serve both. I want to tell you the most miserable place to live is when you got one foot in and one foot out. You you are trying to live for God, but you don't want to fully live for God. You, You want to live for God on this hand, but not on this hand. You want to live for God on Sunday morning, but you don't want to live for God all the other times throughout the week. And there is a division within your own heart. Can I tell you that the biggest enemy that you will ever face is not the devil? The biggest enemy that you ever will face will not be the, but be, be the enemies that mistreat you or the, even the friends that mistreat you. The biggest trials that you will ever have come from within the person that you see in the mirror. And when you have division inside of you, you are miserable in your heart. You're miserable in your life because you can't serve two masters. Put both feet in. Say, Jesus, I'm living for you with my whole heart, with my whole life. If you want to protect shalom, the favor, the rest, the the tranquility, the power of God in your life, you want to protect that, put both feet in. Quit serving two masters. You know, this happens on a big scale in people's lives, but it also happens on small scales. And we're tested in this, aren't we? When we have desires and wants, and they might not seem big to everybody else, but we're in a, in a moment in our lives, I want that thing. And suddenly you feel the Holy Spirit say, no. That's not for you right now. Well, guess what? You have a split that's happened in your life. And you have a decision to make in that moment. Am I going to follow Jesus? Or am I going to follow my own carnal desire? And I have not been perfect in that by any stretch And I don't think that there's anyone here that has. And so this message is is not to bring condemnation, but when the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes and and says, Darren, you're you're living a split life. You're, You're chasing this and you're chasing that. I've got this for you. I don't want you to go that direction. I want you to come this direction. And there is a war within me. I'll tell you when peace is restored to my life, when I finally yield and I say, okay, God, here I am. I surrender. I give that thing to you. I yield that thing to you. I crucify my flesh, and I'm following after you with my whole heart. Hallelujah. Anybody else ever been there before, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And there is victory for you if you will do it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Put both feet in. I don't know if I'm on number four or five. I'm skipping around my notes. Number four, meditate on the Lord. Isaiah chapter 26 is one of the most personal scriptures to me in verses three and four. God promises this, and this became so real in my life. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For in Yah, the Lord is everlasting strength. These two verses became so real to me as I was laying on my bed, not knowing whether I was going to live or die Vanessa lived across the street at that point and remembers from her perspective what I was walking through. And and for about six months, I went through the most difficult physical struggle that I've ever been through. And my wife didn't always know how to help. In fact, sometimes I would wake her up at two in the morning and I would say, I need you to pray for me. She would pray until one day she got tired of it. And she said, no, I'm going back to sleep. This is between you and Jesus. And I went downstairs and prayed. But one thing she did is she wrote on a card this verse. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed upon you. And every time I looked over at that card, I was reminded, God is for me. He is not against me. And I would feel the peace of God. Now, I didn't perfectly maintain it. But that peace of God led me through to victory. Brought me out of physical calamity. Brought me out of depression and fear. The peace of God. What's the key? Keep your mind stayed upon God. Keep your mind stayed upon God because when you're in trial, guess what your mind wants to go to? All the bad things that could happen, all the negative outcomes that potentially, this is, this is what, this is what we do when we worry. We are thinking, we are projecting an outcome that is not God's outcome. And why do we project an outcome that is not God's outcome? Because our minds are not stayed on Him. Our minds are stayed on the problem. And when we get our mind off the problem and onto him, we begin to walk in victory. Hallelujah. Now, the Lord is training you in this and you're not going to be perfect in it in the trial, but you ask God, you say, God, help me. Keep my mind on you. And you bring your mind back to him. You bring your mind back to him and you say, oh, God, deliver me from all that worry, all that fear. God, I thank you that you're good. You're, you're God and you care about me. And you keep your mind on him. Hallelujah. You trust in the Lord for your strength and he will keep you in perfect peace. And I believe that, that the Holy spirit becomes a cheerleader in this saying, come on, son, come on, daughter, keep coming after me. There's a better way to live. There's a better way to live. There's a better way to live. Amen. There's a better way to live. Oh, thank you, father. This kind of peace is why Paul and Silas, the night before they're beheaded, which was averted, by the way, but they didn't know that, can simply relax and sing praises and hymns to God because He's so good. Meditate on the Lord. And then finally, number five, how do I maintain the peace of God in my life? Increase thanksgiving. Increase praise. Increase honesty with God. Honesty with God. If you will increase those three things, the peace of God will guard your heart. (laughs) Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, this is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. But in everything, by prayer, everybody say prayer, and supplication, With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. This is a promise for your life. If you will in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, this is going to be the outcome every single time. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Isn't that powerful? What do I have to do? I have to pray. I have to be thankful. If the words coming out of your mouth are always negative and they're not thankful, put a check on your lips. I'm not a, just a positive thinker, Christian preacher. Well, if I just think positively, that's what will happen. I don't know. I I think people should overall be positive. But I think it's God that does the work. Not my positivity. Am I making sense? And yet, and yet, if I fill my mouth with thanksgiving, and if I fill my heart with praise, and if I'm not afraid, supplicate, that means uh, 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 to, to get with God and wrestle it out, and I'm honest with him, The peace of God will guard my heart. Thank you, Jesus. Is this good this morning? The peace of God guarding your heart. This Christmas season, we need the peace of God. We need the peace of God in our hearts and in our lives. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I want to close by reading Romans chapter 16 together. I love this. I hate the devil. The devil's come to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil is a deceiver and a liar. If he is speaking, he is lying. He's been a liar from the very beginning, and he hasn't quit lying. His power has been stripped from him at the cross. But he still lies to people. In Romans chapter sixteen and verse twenty says this And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. Let's pray right now. Thank you, Father. Lord, your presence in this place has just been amazing this morning. You've spoken to us. You have ministered to us. We've ministered to you. And your presence is in this place right now. And there are people... At home, listening, there are people here that are walking through intense situations and they need the peace of God. Lord, I'm just asking that your shalom, your favor, your goodness, your rest, your prosperity will settle in this place right now the shalom of God. Lord, even as Bob came up and gave us an illustration of what the man in the Gadarenes might be feeling, the demoniac, as he experienced the peace of God and you calmed the storm inside of him. God, I'm asking you to interrupt right now people's, people's lives with your peace. People that will look to you and say, God, I I can't do anything to earn it, but I receive it right now. Right now, if if that's you, if you if you're just saying that, God, I can't do anything to earn it, but I receive your peace right now. I just want you to stand and just gently lift your hands up to the Lord, and just uh, just as you look to Him, just begin to receive a fresh touch from the Lord. There's people standing. It can be something big, something small. Just just your life in general. You're just saying, God, I need your peace in my life, the peace that passes all understanding. I need it right now I can't earn it I don't deserve it but right now I receive it in the name of Jesus. Lord, as people are standing all over this room and they're just they're just lifting up their hands to you in a receiving mode. God, I ask that you would come into their situations right now, into their storms. As you spoke over the sea, you said, Peace, be still. And God, I ask that the storm in their life would still and quiet right now as they gaze upon your face. Your peace that passes all understanding. Come now in the name of Jesus. Guard your people. Guard your people. Guard your people in the name of the Lord. We thank you, Father. People from every generation, God, that have different kinds of issues and problems and they're walking through different things. God, I ask in Jesus' name that you would meet them right where they are in the name of the Lord. We thank you for granting grace and peace to your people right now. The shalom of God. The shalom of God coming on your people. They would never be the same in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Just receive right now. Just take a moment before you're seated and just say, Jesus, I receive from you your peace. Thank you, Father. Lord, you've given us these tools. We're not very good at using some of them. Help us get better. Help us grow. Help us go from Glory to glory, from increment to increment, in understanding and knowing your peace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, for walking with us through every test and every trial. We're weak, but you're strong. And our strength is in you. Jesus, help us keep our mind on you. In your name we pray. Thank you, Father. Amen.